How you guys doing today? Welcome to Woodstock. There is a sixth sense that you develop when you spend your life going to venues. Woodstock, baby. I can tell you a hundred feet away what the energy in that venue is going to be like. It was not your parents' Woodstock. We got off the bus and I was like, something's not right. Come on. And it is another off-topic episode of Canada FM, and it's got to be special when Teddy and Bry are coming at you midweek, right in the middle of all this Amanda Marshall listening to and research to to, to bring you something totally out of left field. And the reason that we're bringing this to you this week is because me and him both just got finished watching the Woodstock 99 documentary. And well, Brian, I think uh, I I don't know about you, but I think I'm feeling a little bit nostalgic. Yeah, it uh, definitely brought back uh, 14 or 13, 14 year old vibes where all I did was listen to $3 Billy All and uh, Freak on a Leash and all that shit. I didn't and, realize and, uh, that you were that big a fan of $3 Billy All. You were, I, I was the one that got into Limp Biscuit. You were corn. I'll give no, you a corn. Had it. I didn't realize you had $3 Billy had All it. too. Because I, I, I got rid yeah, of that did. album twice. <laughs> did you know that? I, I, I currently don't have it. I I got rid of it and never bought it back. But yeah. uh, I don't know. Maybe one one maybe after this, I'll once I've done my Amanda Marshall deep dive, I'll maybe I'll just get it on Spotify and give it a quick listen, see if any of it holds up. Besides, we got Serial Joe to go through. Brian, we don't have time to go detouring into the new metal scene. That's next week. I got tons of time. <laughs> it's only three albums. Yeah, it's true. I thought it was four. Oh, it might be four. It well, might be four. Three and an EP. I think. I think, oh, I think it's a U.S. release. Actually, they had like okay. a couple of extra tracks. Yeah, because they anyway. Well, you know what? No, we can talk about Serial Joe a little bit here because they were on the Woodstock lineup. Yeah, they were on the emerging artist yeah. stage. Well, you know what? We're going to kind of talk about the doc a little bit. But I think the big thing you and me are going to do, we're going to talk about our experience with Woodstock 99 because even though we weren't there... We were 14 no. years old. And they say that the music you listen to when you're 14 is the music that will that you'll always continue to listen to. It'll be the music that um, kind of spurs the rest of your life, if you will. And uh, I remember you and me, that whole weekend, all we did was watch much music. That was it. That yep. was it. Our, we were we, beautiful <laughs> summer days. Spent plopped on the couch in the last family living room, me and Brian, <laughs> watching Woodstock 99 live up-to-date coverage. And uh, first thing I want to put out there about the documentary. Yeah. They talked about this, like, war the organizers basically had with MTV and how they hated MTV and they hated uh, Kurt Loder because Kurt Loder was trying to find a story and he wanted to be a wartime journalist and not a music journalist and he was trying to incite the violence and then you get people throwing shit at Carson Daly you get that one ba- guy basically threatening Carson Daly with his life <laughs> and I think I just th- sorry I just think much music's content and they do show quite a bit of much music footage throughout that. You see Rick yeah. reading people as they're coming in. You see Bill Willishka all, all over the place. Yeah. Um, I think much music did a much better job covering that than anybody else. 
Well, it's because they're just kind of like a fly on the wall, just saying like anything else. They're just like, how's it going? It's, it's, I think it's almost the Canadian way of the, like, they don't try to make a meal out of it. They're just like, we're here. Yeah. We're, we're here to have a good time, just like you guys, except we just get paid to cover it. And we get we get all the water we can drink while you guys are SOL. But that's a whole other topic. Um, <laughs> that's basically the situation there. Yeah. And uh, but they did mention, aside from that, what you were talking about, they did say that uh because of the changing of the guard you know the the grunge was out uh pop was in at the time and you know britney christina insync backstreet mm. boys were dominating the airwaves and so they were always on mtv and so yeah. i think it was one of those things where you know mtv got associated with nothing but pop and so when you're you get all these metal heads new metal heads rock kids you know, they're, it's just not their scene. It's their little sister scene. I think they mentioned that in the documentary. It, so it, You almost quoted it verbatim. Yeah, and uh, so, it, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, I don't agree with them throwing shit. Carson Daly is literally vanilla ice cream. He's, like, harmless. He's, he's the least... Like, he's not trying to be a you journalist. Know, I, I, not to really think of too big for my britches, because here I am. Here he is in a mansion in L.A., with yeah. fame and fortune, and here am I, my little house in Thunder Bay, with, um, well, I don't get recognized like I used to when I was an on-air jock, so no fame <laughs> at all. Um, but I, I, I don't know, maybe, I never viewed him as being much of a broadcaster. I mean... Even when he had his talk show, he seems, he, he always has seemed very stiff, Yeah, very rigid, um, a handsome guy. I'll give him that. I mean, he's that's about all I'll give him. He's handsome. He's affable enough that like he can get you know the bare surface stuff out of people. That's why he's almost perfect because he he's not one of those. He's not like a Bob Costas in the '80s where he has his late night going deep. Although I think he tried to do that later in the show. If I I never watched Carson, but I think he tried to do something a little no. more in depth at, towards the end there. But I could be wrong. The, the, yeah, yeah, it was on because it was like pre-taped and he'd be at a bar playing pool and then he'd be like, oh, look who's here. It's the Arcade Fire. Hi, Arcade Fire. <laughs> <laughs> They'd like interview them at a bar like he wasn't expecting them to drop by. It was strange. Yeah, it was very strange. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, uh, uh, I just repeat myself. You go ahead. No, but um, let's start from the very beginning, shall we? All right. Now, you, our parents were... Uh, you know, they're around the same age, came up listening to the same music. When did you start hearing about the original Woodstock for the first time? Did your did, did Papa Last ever go off on Woodstock? My my mom, my mom was always much more. Oh, of the, okay, yeah, because your dad's more of your mom's the rocker. Your dad's more of the the popper. Yeah, and uh, yeah. yeah, my mom and I think it was either my aunt Diane or my aunt Kathy actually were like this close from trying to make the trip. It just oh, wow. they were. Um, I think someone who was supposed to drive like bailed last minute, so they just never ended up making the trek. But uh, the 99% sure they would have been one of those like 200,000 people that just snuck through the fence because they probably wouldn't have had tickets. <laughs> but yeah, they, they almost got it. Because my mom, whenever wow. Woodstock comes up, my mom's always like, yeah, me and your Aunt Kathy almost left. But uh, just something came up and we just couldn't go. But we were like, we wanted to. We, we knew all about it. We were this close. The only thing I remember when I first heard about Woodstock when I was a kid, because there is a Woodstock, Ontario. Yeah. But also, Snoopy's little buddy is Woodstock. Yeah. 
So I remember my parents were like, oh, we're going to watch this movie. It's about Woodstock and how important Woodstock is. I'm like, man, oh, man, that little bird. <laughs> you know, I, they call it Snoopy's show and, and, and not the bird show. But I guess the bird had much, much more credit than Snoopy did. And then I'm watching. It's just some concert. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I didn't say what the hell because I was a child. But um, I was just, uh, you know, kind of off. But, but I also thought it took place in Ontario because there was a Woodstock, Ontario that I knew as. And then, no, it's in New York. And then I was like, oh, those lousy Americans, they get everything. Why are they taking Woodstock from us? My friend's like, we never had Woodstock. This argument's ridiculous. Yeah, that's the first time I ever heard of Woodstock. Yeah. Um, man, I really was not easy to hold a conversation with when I was a child. <laughs> Just realizing that now. But uh, I can tell you for Woodstock 94, the first time I ever heard about that or ever really saw anything about Woodstock 94 was the uh, the Green Day video for to when say, I come around. I was about to say the exact same thing. Yeah, because people don't talk about Woodstock 94. I think ever. I think because out of the big three, uh, that was probably the least incidental like there was no no nothing to write home about like the weather was okay a yeah. little muddy uh but there's no instances but also i don't think there is a crew is i don't think there's a film for it so maybe that's why it's like there might be sporadic footage here and there but like mtv mtv went covered yeah the but, thing, like, but there's a woodstock movie for 69 and then there's this because there's so much footage on it but i just i don't know maybe it's because yeah. 94 fell I think it was also smaller scale, too. I don't think there was as many bands. I could be wrong. I'd have to double-check the lineup. Uh, I, I remember what they did, though. They had a lot of the bands that played at the original Woodstock. Yeah. So, like, Country Joe and the Fish played. Yeah. And the band actually played. Yeah. Um, without Robbie, but they still played. And um, they did get a lot of the original. I think Dylan played, yeah. too, at Woodstock 94. But then they also combined out with Green Day, and I believe the Chili's were on the first lineup, and you can see in the documentary the Cranberries played. Yeah. I think Blues Traveler was there, but that might just be because I I feel like just Blues Traveler always plays a Woodstock everywhere they go. Yeah. But, the, but yeah, I think... <laughs> I don't know. It's so, so right there, just listing some of those bands, like a Green Day concert's not going to erupt into a riot. The Cranberries aren't going to erupt into a riot. And you get all those old bands, no one's going to rage out during a Dylan set unless he goes electric again, but that's already been... <laughs> Coming down. When Woody Guthrie say that he ran out to his car yeah. and stuck his fingers in his yeah. ears and started screaming? He was like having a Vietnam flashback at the Newport Folk <laughs> Festival. Oh my god. You know, wrote some of the greatest songs of our life, but what a freak. <laughs> we always make, like, you and your brother make these jokes about James Taylor being this little timid weirdo. I think it's more Woody Guthrie. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, those jokes are about Bob Dylan being a timid, timid weirdo. No, it's James those Taylor. Jokes, but James Taylor would make jokes about him being very timid because he seems like such a nice man. <laughs> so the joke is, there was we were watching. I think it was like the twenty, whenever Kerry went up against Bush, two thousand four. It was like the two thousand and four like Democratic National Convention, and Tom Morello was on stage with like David Crosby and a bunch of old timers. And James Taylor. And they're saying, this land is your land, this land is my land. And uh, Morello goes off on a big round. You know, what Woody Guthrie wrote this song about <laughs> blah, 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 this and that. What he meant to say was, and uh, he got super political. And I thought it'd be funny if James Taylor's like, oh, I just wanted to sing a sweet song about America. I didn't want to get 
I'm bothered like this. I don't know, Tom. Why don't you just keep your mouth shut? You're going to get us on that show. Like that, that, our, our, my our idea of James Taylor is that when he's not on stage, he's basically butters from South Park. <laughs> when he's a recovering heroin addict and he's lived a hell of a life, and I'm sure he fears nothing. So I, I, I don't think that James Taylor is that timid in I real life. I think in real in reality, he's probably more like his cameo in The Simpsons, where he's getting all confrontational with the astronauts. He's like, "You're going to float there. <laughs> You're going to listen to it." <laughs> I'm not I'm not as laid back as people think. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy! But anyway, let's. Uh, so, Woodstock '69, obviously, way in our rear view. Woodstock '94, we're nine. We're still too young to really appreciate it. But then Woodstock '99 comes along. Do you remember what your thir- first thought was when you heard about the lineup? Because you and me were just starting to get to concerts. We hadn't gone to the Warp Tour yet, but like, or, or 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 anything like that. But we're still checking Warp Tours and Edge Fests. Like these summer festivals seem like a big deal, and here comes the biggest. Yeah, I remember seeing the. I remember seeing the roster, because they had com- like a commercial for it, and just seeing the insane Murderers Row of new metal. I was just like, Ooh! Yeah. I think either you were sitting right next to me, or I think I immediately picked up the phone and called you. I'm like, you see this commercial? I think we were both watching yeah. the same thing. I think we were both watching much music. So you're like, oh, I saw it. <laughs> yeah, because they, they, I remember, I actually, the first time I heard about it was on Edge 102. Okay. It wasn't much music, but he, it was just Alan Cross was going over the lineup in brief of what he had heard. And actually, here's a little known fact. Uh of the performers that were originally said to play, uh, the Foo Fighters and Sugar Ray, of all people, were both going to play Woodstock 99 and both backed out. Yeah, so, I mean... I think Grohl had like an actual like vocal issue, and then Sugar Ray was backing out of everything because I think they were supposed to do Snow Job 2 that year, and they backed out. And so I think Mark McGrath was just like, I don't want to get my beautiful face ruined by a bunch of mud, so... <laughs> I'm not going to sing. Yeah. So I, I heard about that, but Cross was going over all the bands, and then he ended it with going, and the Tragically Hip. And thinking, like, it's kind of cool. Tragically Hip's sharing the stage with Metallica and all this stuff. Yeah. So that sounded pretty neat to me. And then we saw the commercial. Uh, I do remember being th- th- weirded out, because now I get what they were trying to do. They were just trying to get the biggest snapshot of music at the time yeah, and put it on stage. Um, so that's why, you know, you had Metallica and you had Dave Matthews band. Yeah. You had Limp Bizkit and you had Jewel. Yeah. You know what I mean? You had Kid Rock, but you also had James Brown. You know what I mean? Like that was kind of cool that they had James Brown play it. Yeah. And the Brian Setz orchestra too. Like they, they didn't just stick strictly to uh, thrashing guitars. I get that now, but when we were younger, it was kind of odd. Yeah. Because didn't like, like, I know DMX did it. Yeah. I believe Ice Cube played too, didn't he? No, I think you're mixing that up with family values. I think DMX and Kid Rock were the only rappers on the bill. You know what? Why do I feel like DMX played? Not DMX, I know DMX played. Because he had that awkward call and answer. <laughs> um, but let me just see. I think Ice Cube played too. While Ted's Googling, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say it, but he has that song called My N Words. And he's basically doing, like, half a million people 
just in the crowd. He's just like, my N-words, and they, they call and response. Honky Tonk Village out there, just a sea of honkies, and they're all just <laughs> dropping N-bombs, and he don't care. I think that was the sign of the times that he just didn't even care. He just got, he was feeling the love of the crowd, because they weren't saying it maliciously or anything. It was just part of the song. But, you know, that's a debate that happens right now. Is it uh, if you're rapping along and it slips out by accident, knowing you would never use it in everyday context, is it still a faux pas, or is it uh, just you know you can let it slide? You know, you know what? I've always thought it was a faux pas, even to this day. I've always edited myself out. I tried to, but I have you know let what, a couple Brian? slip. I, th- I think you're right. I don't. I don't see Ice Cube on here. Yeah, I didn't think so. I think you're right. Yeah. But anyhow, I've got it up just to. Oh no, here he is. He played the West Stage on Saturday. Oh, okay. Right in between Everclear and Los Lobos. So there you go. Well, like right there. If I said, hey, Brian, let's go to a show. Who are you going to see? Everclear, Ice Cube, and Los Lobos. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you never in a million years would you dream that you could see a lineup like that. Yeah. And here they all were on one stage. It's uh, uh, definitely a mixed bag of nuts, that's for sure. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I remember you and me being very hype when this uh, happened. But also we were kind of snoots, you and me, when it came to spending money on concerts. So I think that even if we were of age and responsible enough to drive to New York, because it honestly isn't that far away, Rome, New York, from the border. Drive down there, camp out for a bunch of days, see all these bands for a great price. I think you and me would be like, you know... I'm only really a huge fan of two or three of these. Uh, I know a couple songs, but we would have we would have talked ourselves out of it. I know you and me. It's well, it's not so much snooty. I think it's more just closed-mindedness because you know, yeah. kids at that age, it's not really unless you're just like a you know Johnny tries everything. Um, most kids until you get to college is when you really start to expand your musical horizon because like like what you said when you get into music when you're around 13 14 that generally unless you're you and i because we after new metal we took an immediate right turn into ska and punk um yeah our new metal wave was literally like 98 to 99 <laughs> maybe it's 97 98 but we also had other stuff yeah. on the side yeah, and I still listen to new metal too. Like I, I really liked Incubus, and I really like Papa Roach. Um, it was just like Corn. Corn is more your band. I like the singles. Limp Biscuit, I liked at first, but then every single person listened to Limp Biscuit at our school, and the novelty just kind of wore off for me. Yeah. So I was like, eh, to hell with Limp Biscuit. Um, you know. And then other bands like Kid Rock. Okay, I like Kid Rock. But I like the singles. I sold my you know uh, I mean? Devil Without a was it Devil Without a Cause or Cure, whatever the Rebel Without a Pause. No, no that's, wait, public that's Public Enemy. Enemy. That's Public. I think it's Devil Without a Cause. Yeah, yeah, I sold that to Sam Fried in high school for five bucks. I would have bought it off you. I didn't know you wanted. You probably it. offered it to me, but I yeah. <laughs> actually, I quite like that album. You know, I, I I talk shit about Kid Rock sometimes, but that album's really good. Well, it's, it's funny because. I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about the Woodstock 99 documentary and there was a comedian who opened for Kid Rock on like a cruise, like a Kid Rock cruise. Okay. And what he did at Woodstock 99 where he'd play some drums, he'd play some guitar, yeah. turntable, that was just not a Woodstock novelty. He did that every show. Like he could play all these instruments. Oh, I know. I saw him do it on much. Oh, yeah? I was, I was totally blown away. This would have been much like fall. It would have been, I think it was after Woodstock. 
But he came on Much Music, and it would have been just before uh, Only God Knows Why came out, because he used a clip of this in the video of his appearance on Much. Right. And he played three or four songs, but he did the whole thing where he went from station to station, kicked everybody off their <laughs> instrument to play it. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. And I was like, whoa! When they showed the clip of him doing the turntables, like, Uncle Cracker just looks confused. Like, I'm, I'm sure he's seen just like, <laughs> all right, there you go. But I don't know, maybe that was the start of him doing that. I don't know. Uncle Cracker, on his album, Brian, in the thank yous, he thanked Kid Rock first, God second. <laughs> Kid Rock was Uncle Cracker's God. I mean, he without Kid Rock, he wouldn't have a career, so... <laughs> Where are you now, Kid Rock? I mean, I'm sure he's probably a roadie, or maybe he's behind the scenes. <laughs> what, Uncle Cracker? I haven't heard from Uncle Cracker in years. The last time I heard of him, he was trying to make it a country music. Well, we don't listen to country music. They have their own set of charts. You never know. Check out When the Sun Goes Down with him and Kenny Chesney. I'll tell you, it's a bop. <laughs> no thanks. I like that song. Oh, it's a good song. It's a good song. Well, yeah, you don't drink, so yeah, you wouldn't get any joy out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a song that alcohol makes a lot better. Yeah, when you got a drink <laughs> right? to enjoy a song, that's no bueno. <laughs> It's not that you're drinking to enjoy the song. It's just the song sounds a lot better when you're drunk. Oh, that's terrible. That's not terrible. It's, like, that's I'm like always every, saying every... That's every cougar that's like hammered out of their skull and going ham to like Bon Jovi. It's because they're so drunk they enjoy it so much more. Like, there are some songs that work better at a party, okay? Or when you're sitting in a lawn chair all day in the sweltering sun with your Jimmy Buffett margarita mixer pounding back pitcher after pitcher. And that's, uh, that'd be one of them. All right. Yes. Anyway, Cracker didn't do a solar set, solo set at Woodstock 99, so we're way off topic. Yeah. But, Brian, what were maybe the biggest bands you were excited about, 14-year-old Brian Last? Um... Probably Limp Bizkit and Corn. Um, okay. Probably Kid Rock. And... Really? You're that excited about Kid Rock? Because I think I had, because of Columbia House, I'm pretty sure I got Devil Without a Cause uh, pretty early on. So I knew, I knew okay. of Kid Rock and I love Ba Wada Ba. And... Yeah. Like, because I didn't know enough about... Like, the Dave Matthews Band. I didn't know... and pro Actually, probably Rage. The Rage the next night. Okay, and, yeah, yeah. And probably a little bit of Chili Willies. Yeah. And... Yeah. All the... The hip? I mean, I probably would have been excited. I don't remember if I actually got to see them on TV. Did, like, did we see their performance? I don't have... Oh, yeah, okay. So, it was very much like... Um, how they do it now at the Olympics. It just kind of how spots. like you can only see stills. Yeah. So basically much music. They could be there live all day. They could do all the shit that they wanted to do, but they couldn't broadcast a the performances live or the performances in their entirety. So basically what they could do was they could show, you know, Juliet Powell or whatever on the side stage going, oh my god, Flea's naked and Red Hot Chili Peppers are playing. It's an amazing show. Air, let's see what Rick did earlier today. Yeah. And Rick going, oh, everyone's giving me the finger. I don't know what to do. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. And then he cut back, hey, here's what Bill did today. Blah, 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 blah. And then they would cut, you know, then they'd roll some stuff from earlier in the day and they might roll a performance or two 
later pre-taped. Yeah. But it would only be a song or two. Yeah. Because pay-per-view had the exclusive yeah, rights. Yeah, I was about to say. We would have had to watch, to watch everything. We would have yeah. had to order a pay-per-view. That probably would have been at 70 clamps. We didn't have that kind of money. Yeah. It, it's also an all-day thing, I guess. Yeah. So... And they had multiple stages, so, like, did you have to pay extra to watch a different stage? I don't or know. Or was it just main event? I don't know. I didn't order it on pay-per-view. We, we just watched it well, we in could. your living yeah. room, whatever much music told us, this is acceptable for you to see. Yeah. So we didn't get to, I didn't get to see what Flea's penis looked like until I watched the documentary this week. <laughs> so anyway... Um, Yeah, that's what I was excited about. I was definitely excited about uh, the hip. Uh, I thought that was really cool that they were playing it. And um, who else would it? Uh, Rage, much like you. Uh, then obviously, you know, my weird picks. Like, jeez, uh, you know what, Brian? I'm just letting society tell me what to be excited about. Let's see what Ted actually would have been excited about here. When you look, all right, I'll vamp. You gonna vape? Vamp. What does that mean? It just means kind of like free will. It just like makes stuff up as you go along. It's just kind of uh, oh, okay. think on your feet. Let's see here. I would have been excited about, um, at the time, oh, geez, The Offspring. I would have been very excited about The Offspring. I would have been excited about Everclear. I was a huge Everclear fan. Like I said, The Hip. Um... Rage. Uh, who else we got here? Mike Ness. People forget Mike Ness played that show. I was thinking about Mike Ness, and but we didn't get into him till high school. He, well, yeah, this is summer before high school. No, but we—you didn't get your first Social Distortion album until like grade uh, eleven. Okay, good, good, good point. Good point. We'll take Mike Ness up. But Our Lady Peace, I would have been excited to see. Yes. I would have been excited to see the Brian Setzer Orchestra. You know how much I love Swing Revival. <laughs> um, and I would have been excited to see uh, Everlast. I was I liked Everlast a lot, so that would have been cool. That's who I would have been excited about. Oh. Everlast, you own. Ends. Yeah. I don't know. It sounds a little rough. I don't know. I remember he did. I remember one of the clips they played was he was doing uh, Jump Around, but because his voice is so warped from smoking, <laughs> yeah. he's like, I can't get down, I can't get down. <laughs> <laughs> He's got like an oxygen tank on the side of his face, like. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember, like, it was was all over the place at the time. I remember that fall, uh, Fox did a special, and they had the cast of that '70s show there. Uh, Even though Woodstock was supposed to like bring back the '60s, they took the cast of that '70s show there because why not? (laughs) You know, when our kids are young, and the cast of that 2010 show shows up. Um, boy, I realize a lot of the stuff I'm saying to you tonight, Brian, is very much half thoughts that I'm just <laughs> spewing out. That's all right. Seeing what works. You're gonna have a hell of a time editing this thing. Oh, I'm just gonna let it go. Uh, but that's, that's what we say. We say that we say that about every single off-topic we no, do. The off-topics, I'm uh, just gonna let this go. People can deal with the awkward pauses and the half thoughts. What do you remember about watching the coverage in terms of uh, that much music did that was non-music related? Because I remember they went into town a couple of times. I remember one of the big things they did was they went to this party, Builded, that was just for Canadians. 
And yes. so Bill was going around asking everybody at the party where they were from. And if they said they were from the States, the whole party would like, <laughs> <laughs> bum rush them out. out of the house. Yeah. I did to like four people. And it was hilarious. Their very own hoser hut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember I think Rick went into town and he talked to this old man who had looks like it like the pen exploded in this old guy's pocket. He had this giant ink stain <laughs> on his shirt. And uh, <laughs> Rick's like, hey, what do you think of the uh, the bands that are playing? And the old guy's like, eh, it could have been better. He goes, what do you mean? Hey, it could have been better. Get some of the oldies in the country western. It'd be a lot better. <laughs> I mean, that guy's kind of on to something funny. in hindsight, but yeah. like, I understand it was um, a snapshot of the time, but there's like, I feel like there's handfuls of genres and bands that just got ignored, but. Well, let's, 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 that's actually a good segue to get into here. So one of the complaints was that the show in, in the documentary that we watched leaned way too heavy into the new metal. Yeah. Um, now keep in mind, Foo Fighters were in the bill. So if you're like, oh, Dave Grohl needs to be there. Dave Grohl needs to be there. He, he was there. They yeah. just couldn't make it. Um, who are some of the other bands that you think kind of got the shaft in favor of new metal? Well, let me just think about that. I mean, they they could have brought Green Day back because I mean they were uh, they were about to I think they had just they were about to put out Warning. They're between Nimrod and Warning, because um, mm-hmm. their their performance and that when I come around when he catches the piece of mud and puts it like a mustache that's legendary. It's iconic. Yeah, it's iconic. Yeah. I'm just trying to think. I was thinking for punk because they really did outside of, like they had the offspring. The offspring was a good representation because I think it was just kind of how the albums came out. Yeah. Um, the offspring at that point in time was a little bit bigger right. than Green Day, just by a scotch. Um, a band that I think would have fit in for for punk if you want another representation would have been Rancid. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not going to try to get too like oh you know you should have had all of my favorite childhood bands. <laughs> But I think that Rancid would have had that cool cross appeal uh, for what they represent. Um, another band that immediately jumps to mind, and they even mentioned this documentary, that weren't there were the Beastie Boys. Yeah. And that was kind of a shock because... Hello, Nasty. You think of that era before. of music. Yeah. Like, I, I kind of always think of big festival bands. You think the Chili's, you think the Beasties, and you think Rage. Those three bands. Yeah. And two out of three were there. But I think they really would have done themselves a, a much better service had they had the Beastie Boys. Um, I had one more. Oh, yeah, Pearl Jam. And I think that that's because Eddie Vedder likes to just, when, when they go on tour, he likes to just be the headliner and just do it all himself. Yeah. I don't think they like doing festival gigs. So makes sense why Pearl Jam wasn't there. That's kind of some of the bands that I was thinking of that could have uh, eaten up some of the spots of the new metal. Uh, Blink. Eh, had I? That was. Uh, I that, think Anima had just come out. Because the Anima, the state, I believe, had just come out, maybe. and I think that I don't think the Woodstock organizers nor music in general expected it to be as big as a hit as it become. So that's a hindsight is twenty twenty kind of thing. That's fair. What about, I mean, yeah. I know it's still in the realm of heavy metal, but what about Soundgarden? Well, I think they were broken up at that time. Were they? Okay. Because Cornell had a solo album that came out at that point, but I believe Soundgarden as a band was broken up. Okay. 
Yeah. Hmm. That's the other thing, too. You had all these bands that broke up and got back together. Right. Uh, and Soundgarden being one of them. Yeah. There you go. I got two for you. All right. Um, they could have brought back Santana because he had Smooth come out that year. And that, that would have been cool. And, uh, and Matchbox 20 could have played just whatever. Because they were popular at the yeah, time. Match, yeah. So here's the thing about Matchbox 20. <laughs> it was like them and Third Eye Blind. Yeah. Kind of were like at the time how like Imagine Dragons are viewed today. Right. Or how Nickelback was viewed about 10 years ago. Those two bands, for whatever reason, and it might have been why Sugar Ray bailed. Because the, I think Mark McGrath might have had the foresight to know, eh, they might not be into us, this crowd. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> they were kind of looked like as kind of like radio pop rock, even though in hindsight, I don't view them that way at all. Yeah. I think uh, Third Eye Blind had some tremendous songs. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, that first Matchbox 20 album I really like. But, uh, you know, yeah, here, here's I one for that, you because it's, I mean, again, it, it blends the rap, rock, whatever, but they were popular okay. at the time. Bloodhound Gang. <laughs> because Bloodhound Gang. It could have worked. It could have worked. Because they're, they're a mix of, you know, they're first of all, they're goofy white boys, so they fit right in with the crowd. Um, yeah. And But their stuff is not too heavy to the point where it could incite a riot, and it's lighthearted enough that it'll, it might keep the people loose when they're blazing in the sun. Yeah. And it's, it's upbeat. All right, I got, I got one more. All right. Blood, what about Weird Al? What if you were to put Weird Al on this bill? Just think about it for a second here. Okay? <laughs> now, let it sit in if you put Weird Al on this Woodstock bill. Because the people who like Weird Al also like Metallica. And also like Limp Biscuit. You know what I mean? I don't know. I think there's going to be a weird subsect of nerds who would be like, yeah, Weird Al. And, and like the after... <laughs> they just ruin the party for everybody. Uh... It'd just be like the afternoon crowd would love them, and then like, but if it was nighttime, there'd all these be like roided up d bags. Like, who is this big nerd? Let's get him! <laughs> Try to rush the stage. I think that Weird Al, if he had played, people wouldn't have rioted. They'd have too much fun. I mean, the the thing is, they wouldn't have been angry. They wouldn't have been bitter. Here's a goofball in a Hawaiian shirt singing about Star Wars. You kidding me? They wouldn't have rioted. The thing is, is they definitely would have put him in the early afternoon slot, probably either before or after Uh, the hip. So either way, it's like the good vibes that Weird Al would have put out would have been long gone by the time Limp Bizkit took and Corn took the stage. So one of the things I did this week was. after I watched the documentary, I watched it on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Um, a fellow I work with, um, he's about ooh, five or six years older than me. Mm-hmm. He went to Woodstock 99. He was there. So I asked him all about it. So first question I asked him was, how much were the tickets? Because I think one of the tickets they showed was like 188 bucks yeah. or something like that. He said he paid 150 and I'm thinking to myself, that is a tremendous deal for a weekend pass to see all these bands in one spot, 150 bucks, American, right? Yeah. Not Canadian. He didn't count for inflation, but that's insane. So he went. Um, he confirmed exactly what they said in the in the in the documentary. Insanely hot. 
during the day, you did have a mile-long walk from one stage to the other. Yeah. So what you would do is, this is what everyone did, you'd look at the lineup that day, figure out which one had most of the bands that you wanted to see, and you'd just camp out there all day. So he was there. He wanted to see um, Lit. I know he was really excited about seeing Lit and Everclear, and uh, he saw Counting Crows. And um, I asked them, I'm like, well, what? They, you know, they were hyping up the big Saturday night show that they were going to go Limp Biscuit, Rage, and Metallica back to back. I'm like, do they go like one stage after another? Did you miss um, one of the bands? He goes, no, no. For the main event, they would have a little bit of downtime between acts in the late afternoon, and then everyone would converge on one stage. Oh, wow. And that would be the last three or four bands of the yeah, night. Yeah, so the side stage so, yeah, is probably ended right around like f- 6 o'clock. And then- yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He said it sucked, though, because on the last day, they were completely burnt out, so they missed the Chili's. Mm. Um, the last band, they had a choice because they were playing a mile apart right. to go see either Our Lady Peace or The Offspring. And he brought his wife with him, and she wanted to see Our Lady Peace, so Our Lady Peace won out. But I would have totally gotten to see the offspring. Yeah, me too, probably. So I just looked it up. Yeah. And, and but he left right after Our Lady Peace and he missed all the rioting. Well, that's good. At least he didn't get caught up in that mess. Yeah. Night, in 1999, $150 uh, in 2021 would go for $244. American. That's still a good deal, though. But. You, that's still a great but deal. you got to remember. Our dollar was like way lower than theirs, so that probably would have been like two seventy five, maybe three hundred at that time. Even if it was three hundred bucks, it's, it's three days. That's a hundred dollars a day. Three days, exactly. And you were seeing musical legends. Yeah. Look! Look at the line. How many of these guys are in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame already? The Chili Peppers are in there. Elvis Costello's in there. Willie Nelson. Um, where am I here? Okay, I don't think. Um, Rusted Root is in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Gulia, Gulia. Uh, Metallica's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, okay, that was a bad day. Uh, well, Ice Cube's in the Hall of Fame with NWA. There's a lot. James Brown, of course. Yeah, I can forget about him. It's a big day. You know, I'm trying to think also... In, um you know, we're, we're trying to think of contemporary music at the time to swap out. What better old stuff that would have drew, drawn an older, maybe more mellow crowd? Do you, do you think maybe bring in a Rush type? Do you think that would have gone over well? Rush would have gone over like gangbusters. Yeah. Yeah. Same crowd, same, same crowd's mentality. Yeah. Except it's yeah, a little less violent. Yeah. <laughs> a little more introspective, a little less violent. Um, I think had they leaned it, well, you know, it, it, it's, it is what it is now, but, you know, they had, you know, Dave Matthews Band, and they had Rusted Root and Guster, yeah. and they had a few more jam bands, I think that would have made everyone happy. Yeah. I think if Fish played, everyone would have been really, really happy yeah. to see Fish. Yeah. And, um, Not older by, by a stretch, but. Uh, what's their face? My Morning Jacket was pretty young at the time. I think they would have... Oh, they, but they, they would have been on Emerging Artists had they played. Yeah. That would have been a tough sell to get them on there. Or maybe Wilco. Yeah. Well, like if you look at... Well, let's take a look. Speaking of Emerging Artists, okay? Because we are... You and I are very well versed at a few of these bands here. Because, uh, you know, a lot of them are Canadian. 
and a lot of them we're going to be talking about on the show. But here's who played Emerging Artist Stage. F.O.N. Linda Rutherford and Celtic Fire. Sugar Daddy. Sticky Pistol. Bijou Phillips. Mike Errico. King Conga. Ben Lee. The Beth Hart Band. Liars Incorporated. Chris Perez Band. Sherry Jackson. Chris McDermott. And Moby. That is one day on the Emerging Artist Stage. How many of those bands do you know? Moby. How many emerged? Moby. There you go. <laughs> day two. Young and Fabulous. Gargantua Soul. Three. Serial Joe. American Pearl. Full Devil Jacket. Old Pike. Strange Folk. DDT. Two Skinny Jays. Gigolo Aunts. And Fat Boy Slim. Fat Boy Slim. <laughs> Do you want me to keep going? No, I get it. Dude, we're doing a fucking Serial Joe episode, and you forgot about them when I said their name. No, I I knew Serial Joe, you dork. I just said I did, they didn't really emerge that far. They they had a career of about four years. They didn't last. <laughs> we'll get into it in a couple of weeks. Um, I will say one band that played the emerging artist stage that I didn't name there, it's had a nice career in Canada, is Big Sugar. And I actually got to interview Gordy Johnson as well as Duncan Coots from Our Lady Peace back when I was at Perry Sound. And you bet your booties, <laughs> I asked them both of them about Woodstock 99 and what their experiences were like. And both of them said it was among the greatest moments of their lives. Well, I mean... Yeah, not they probably even at the emerging artist stage, they still probably got to play for a sea of people. But you gotta you gotta remember, Arlie Peace's main stage. Right. So I mean, I, well, yeah. I'm in Big Sugar and Serial Joe, but uh, yeah, getting to play this sea of people. Not to mention, you don't have to deal with the fallout of all this heat and bullshit. Like you got a nice yeah. air conditioned like tents and shit backstage, all the water. They could probably just like they could probably have like water fights with each other just whipping bottles of water just for yeah. fun they could probably just be like hey look at look what i can do just cuz and they just pour out a bottle of water onto the side of the stage just cuz i mean that'd just be cruel that's a kid rock move not an our lady peace move <laughs> oh boy now here's one for you does part of you after watching that documentary um do you have it? Did it bring anything out of you? Like, I know we're older guys now. Yeah. To do like a camp out concert like that, that's that big. Honestly, even in my prime, I mean, I, I thank God we did not go to that. We would have died. Yeah, especially being 14 years e old. Even if we had like my brother with us or something, uh, we definitely would not have made it out because you and I are stubborn little doorknobs who would have tried to get to the front. We would have. We would have. We would have met the same fate as that poor guy who had the, like the hypothermia, like went into shock, heat stroke. Yeah, except I, I probably would have got my skull crushed yeah. by falling over or something like that. You know, one of the first shows we went to, I believe this was. Warped Tour number two at the Sky Dome. Now, out of all the Warped Tours that we went to, this was, I think, 2001, Brian? Yeah, it was literally the next year. Yeah, 2001. Um, this was the worst one because they did it at Sky at Rogers That Center. was the closest we got they, to Woodstock 99. This is the closest we got to Woodstock, exactly. They kept the Dome closed. And this is a traditional outdoor festival. 
And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out why they chose Roger Center and why they wouldn't open the fucking dome. I guess that it cost something like someone said to me that day, it cost like $5,000 to open the dome. Yeah. And then $5,000 to close it, which they would have had to do. So it would have been 10 grand. And the people running the tour were just like, no, fuck it. We'll just put on our show. Yeah. It became a giant hot box. Yeah. There was nowhere for the heat to go. And there was no relief anywhere. Because it's not like you're at a ball game. Yeah. And you walk up into the concourse and hang out. And get No, you, you couldn't get up there. They had it blocked off. There's a few rows, rows of seats you could sit in to relax. But you were stuck there. And I remember it was less than Jake. And less than Jake was playing, and they did a big circle pit. They love their circle pit. And so I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm trying to half skank, don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know where any of you guys are. I'm by myself. So I'm kind of flopping around <laughs> like a dead fish, trying to figure out how to skank it through this circle pit. And suddenly it hits me. I've got to puke. And I wasn't drinking beer, just like those guys. You and me weren't drug guys, not taking drugs, we're not drinking. I turned to go puke and nothing came out. And I went again to puke. The motion happened. The gagging happened. Yeah. Nothing came out. And I gave it a rest after that. But that scared me. Now, we're talking about heat probably far less than what they experienced yeah. at Woodstock. Because at least we were indoors. There's some reprieve from the sun. Yeah. Granted, there's nowhere for the heat to go. And insulated in this heat yeah. by 500,000 people. Maybe maybe a million people. Maybe that's an exaggeration. I don't know. I, I'm now going to count. <laughs> At the Warped Tour? Um, no, I'm talking Woodstock. Oh, yeah. It was like it was half a mil. It was like literally the city of Hamilton conversed in this one spot for three days. There that's you go. crazy. And, yeah. It's no shock. I'm, I'm surprised more people didn't die. Yeah. Especially, they're drinking beer all day. There's no water. Uh, you get these hooligans that are shitting and pissing everywhere. I think they said in the doc it was Lord of the Flies. And I agree. Um, like, when we look at this in hindsight, I mean, we've never... The closest thing I've ever had to, like, create was I've in college and stuff I've had to help put on events so it's like fundraisers for our films and I've had to be a pro mm -hmm. I've had to be a producer I have to see like the big picture on a very small scale 20 minute film so I can only imagine and like I had so many pains in the ass doing that I can only imagine what these guys went through for this three-day mammoth thing but the the still the institutional fuck up of either not uh, coordinating with either the maintenance team or like I don't know if it's a city sanitation thing that would have had to come and clean that up or if they had like their own guys who were like tasked to that uh, or just not having enough bathrooms. Um, yeah, but we sound like uh, you, you saw the doc. It sounded yeah. like half the security guards just became security guards to get free tickets to the show. Yeah, and then just I wouldn't be surprised off. if they had other 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 volunteers there that were doing the same thing. Well, I mean, also, after a while, I mean, it's just like, you know, if you're a maintenance person, it's like, it's like if you're cleaning up after some, if you're a maid, right, and you're cleaning up after some spoiled family, and it's like, they'll, they'll pick up, they'll sweep a spot, and then the guy literally just drops five more chips, you sweep up the same spot, drops five more chips, it's just like a fruitless effort. It's like, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> I wonder if there are families that are like that. Oh, Matilda just cleaned over there, what am I going to do? Oh, Matilda, you missed the spot. 
And I'm gonna I, do it again. We've never had a maid. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, but like, so yeah, I could see the people just getting so discouraged. It's like, what the hell am I doing here? It's like, uh, it's like trying to put tape over like a, an exploding garbage hose, like one bandaid. I mean, it's like nothing's gonna yeah. break the stuff that seal. So I, I'm sure people just gave up. But some of the destruction that they showed, like tearing down that wall. Like, that was just... There's this there's, there's pointless distraction. Well, that's that's the and thing, right? It's like, uh, it's easy for us to criticize, uh, to say we would never do that. And I, I think even if we were in that situation, I don't think we would do that. But, you know, in every situation, it doesn't have to be something extreme like what these people went through. In the stupidest of situations, you get people who are like... Um, Hey man, that's not cool. What are you doing that for? And you get, you got goons doing the other thing. Just like on the other side of the spectrum, you get these guys like, hey, show us your tits. Da, 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 trying to cop a oh, feel. Yeah. And then you get guys who are a little more enlightened like, hey man, get your hands off that girl. Like, what are you doing? Just because just it was like the, the rage-filled late 90s, you still get guys that are still enlightened that would stick up for a girl. Yeah, and you saw the clip of like The Offspring being like, hey ladies, you know, if, uh, if a guy touches you, rip his balls off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, like, but what's it called? I, I've spent um, years at concerts. I've never once like copped a feel on a chick crowd surfing or anything. Well, sometimes you do, but you don't do it intentionally. Yeah, well, that's. Just, I mean, there's a difference of like trying to hold yes, someone up and just like squeezing the their goodies accidentally <laughs> when you're trying to hold their weight above you and then exactly. squeezing. You're absolutely yeah. right. That was my yeah. bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like, yeah, but, if uh, they're gonna fall on you and you got to maybe hold their butt just to, like as a means of keeping them up. You're not trying to squeeze, you know. <laughs> No, no. Um, you know when you when you when you go to shows, um, have you ever had to been the that's that's not cool, man? Because I know you, and you're not the you're not the show us your tits kind of guy. You're certainly not that. You are a gentleman. Yeah. Um, you're not uh, a destructive guy who's just going to start breaking shit for no reason because Fred Durst told you to. No. Um. Oh, but you have been the guy who's like, that's not cool. Can he can he hit me with a couple of stories? Um, trying to think. I think actually, if memory serves, I may have yelled um, at the the reggae concert with that dumb that dumb donkey that winged the beer at you. I think I might have yelled at that guy. Did you yell at him? Because I was like, hey. Would you stop running around like the guy's in it, like a one-man congo, like just being a freaking dipshit? Because like, it's literally like, I mean, there's people drinking and smoking and stuff and having a good time, but no one around me was out of sorts except for this one idiot who's like trying to grind on some random girl who's embarrassing himself in front of his girlfriend who he's not dancing with. And I, I think I might Jesus. have, like, you were just gone somewhere else. Like after you knocked that beer out of his hand, you just disappeared. I, for I, another... I went up, I, yeah, I went up closer. I went up closer to see Pepper on the way back and knocked the beer out of this guy's hand. I didn't even realize I did it. And then he winged it at me. And then you told me I, I knocked it over. And I didn't know that the guy threw his beer can at me. So I was like, oh, well, you know what? I'll go buy him another one. You always try to be nice. Yeah. You know, that's what you do. And you're like, no, I don't. I'm like, why? It's a nice thing to do. And you're like, no, no. He picked up the beer can and threw it at me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, you're like, yeah, he missed horribly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been told... I've been, hey, that's not cool, too, before at a concert. Which one? Tell you about this. I went to go with, I went to, I went with Brent to see uh, Alice in Chains. And it was on St. Patrick's Day. So, of course, we had a couple of pints before we went to the game, the green beer. 
not the game, the show. <laughs> um, and, you know, we might have uh, split a couple of those little airplane bottles on the way to the show. And uh, I also might have had a few drinks at the show. It's St. Patrick's Day. So I'm standing there watching the show, and I thought I was fine. Um, and some guy was just like, would you, would you fuck off, man? Would you fuck off? I'm like, jeez, what's your problem? Because he was really short. And he was wearing, like, a golf shirt. And I'm like, jeez. And then these other people are like, what's his deal? What's his deal? And the guy's like, he's drunk. He's very drunk. <laughs> so I was like, what the fuck? And he kind of, they were very mad at me, these three people. And I didn't do anything. I think it's because of my swaying. Oh, okay. I think either maybe I may have swayed too close to them. And that has nothing to do with me being drunk. I would sway during the national anthem <laughs> yeah. in high school first thing in the morning. It's how I stand. I have a very hard time standing still. <laughs> but this guy got really, really mad at me, and he started yelling for security. So I, I went somewhere else. What a wiener. Those people didn't mind my swaying. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was my being, uh, hey, that's not cool, man. <laughs> Yeah, I think. Uh, oh boy! I think the only other times I've ever kind of done stuff like that is when, because um, you know me, I like I like my back, uh, especially if it's like a smaller club or like a, uh, if it's like a punk club, whether like a, or a punk show, I usually like the back, and so I'll try to get a good vantage point. Sometimes by the bar, because sometimes that's actually a good spot, because you have like a, a bit of a breathing room. Because uh, yeah. especially when we used to the go to is a great, the bar is a very good spot. When we used to go to Sound Academy, I remember this one spot in particular. It's like this back corner. I I've seen like three yeah. three or four shows from that one standing spot exactly. And when people would either crowd the bar or just like you know, just like uh, like slam their shit down or something, I'd just be like, hey. And I'd actually sometimes I'd like take a minute and just like kind of like help the bartender for a second. It, like I didn't even do it if it was just like a hot chick or something. I would do it for whoever, and they'd be like, "Oh, that's very nice, thank you." And then like, yeah, it's no problem, just because like yeah. people was being dinks. But it's also Ugh. just my nature. Yeah, you're you're a helpful guy, and you know what? The, I think that Woodstock '99 show could have used a few more Brian lasts <laughs> and less. To quote you, jerks McRagersons. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, um, uh, I had like a non sequitur. We spent most of this podcast, though, yeah, but you know what? We, we spent most of this podcast talking about like a lot of the negatives of the show. Yeah. It was a moment in time that I know I'll never forget, even though I wasn't there. We just watched it on TV. Uh, do you have any moments that stick out for you that maybe we haven't mentioned? Well, I remember watching um, the interview. I think it was almost like a post show. It might have been on like the Sunday or something. Um, I forget her yeah. name. I forget her name, but she was the music plus, the the much music like French. Oh, music plus. Uh, yes. The French so representative. That's when you know much music. Where, yes, they knew that you knew they were busting out all the stops. Yeah. When they brought in the music plus people. Yes, uh, they they didn't have enough uh, VJs. I think to cover that weekend. Um, but yeah, there was this blonde girl. I don't know her name, but she was wearing a cowboy hat and she was interviewing Fred Durst, and he was just talking about like how gnarly it was and they'd cut intercut the uh the footage of because i didn't even realize that i thought because people were already breaking stuff even before fred durst told them to like they were already starting to yeah. strip the plywood he was just egging it on um yeah because he went out there and did it yeah yeah but the um um but yeah so that was like an interesting interview that's one that always stuck out what about you 
uh, flee naked. <laughs> that sticks out. Just because, you know what, you had to do something outrageous yeah. to up the ante. And flee being naked was kind of like the, the cherry on top of the cake. And in fact, I didn't know. I always had believed that the Chili's closed Woodstock, not even realizing that Megadeth yeah, closed Woodstock. Same, I forgot they and were no there. no one ever talks. I didn't even know they were playing. They're interviewing Dave Mustaine in that documentary. I'm like, what are you interviewing him for? Yeah. <laughs> then I was like, performed at Woodstock. I'm like, really? I had no idea. How embarrassing must that be? That's, that's like... You know, and I'm going to be stealing this from Bill Burr because he used this recently on his show. It's like after you watch UFC and the fight ends really quick yeah. and they put on the fights from earlier in the night. That's what Megadeth was. They were a fight from earlier, earlier in the night that went on after the main event. Well, what's funny is because I don't think anything happened during their set. That's why it was so not memorable. All the shit had already happened. Well, the... F- the, the fires were raging all yeah, night. But they, like didn't, they cleared people out of there for third. Yeah, but they didn't do anything to further egg on the crowd. There was no, like, incidents during the crowd. Dave Mustaine didn't do anything to, like, yeah, yeah. let's break this shit. There he's just like, all right, everyone calm your shit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Man, that's just... I wonder how they landed on Megadeth to close the whole thing. Because they weren't... Like, I don't know. Maybe I've just because I've never been a huge Megadeth fan, really at all, I can't... I don't know, maybe they I went... I don't really view their place in music history as some other hardcore Megadeth fans would. But I just think that's a weird pick to end the show, unless they knew people were going to peter out. Yeah. So let's use all the big bands. Let's do this strategically, and let's put on a band that's big, but not as big as the Red Hot Chili Peppers or... Who closed it out something. Friday night? Friday night. Well, I got it right here. Because I'm thinking, because uh, Metallica right closed it out Saturday night, and so I don't know. Maybe they. Oh, uh, you know who it was? You know who it was? Uh, Friday night it was Bush. Okay. Well, there, there goes so my Friday theory. night. Friday night, and you know what? I think my information for the guy who went was wrong because according to this, Our Lady Peace and the Offspring did not play at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> but according to this, yeah, on the East stage, which also served as the main stage, um, the final four acts of the night. Were DMX, The Offspring, Corn, and Bush? Because no, my only theory was that maybe they went with like the elder statesmen of all the bands. Because you know, uh, I mean, not counting like you know your James Browns, because they wanted to get them out early because he's older. He wouldn't want to hang out till all hours of the night. But in terms of like the rock scene, you know, you got Metallica, who's one of the older bands, uh, and you got Megadeth yeah. the next night, who's one of the older bands. So it's like maybe it's like. Tip of the cap to the elder statesmen who have been around for the last 20 plus years. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, regardless. Um, okay. So the year now is 2021. Yeah. And it's really hard to do this now because if you were to just look at rock music as a whole, it almost feels like a dying breed. Um the bands that you know i work for a rock station and the new bands that we play is like new music from green day new music from foo fighters yeah. you know what i mean uh like most of like the new bands that we play are canadian like glorious sons is a terrific example or the r counts we play both of them all the time uh but rock just doesn't really have <sighs> It's place in the world anymore. Well, that's the thing. People know what they like. They're going to search it out. Yeah. My question to you is... Sorry, you go ahead. 
No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead with well, that, what you were saying. That style of new, like not of new metal. Like I'm sure there's something in its place now, but it's probably like you said, it's gone a little more underground, and so they're not the ones dominating the charts and charts anymore. They probably have loyal fans, and they probably sell all their shows. These mm-hmm. these bands, but uh, it's just not. It's it's like Alexis on Fire once said. There's no reason for us that we never should have had a career because on paper we just made no sense. There's no reason we should have been on the radio with like George right. George is singing. It's the same same thing with some of those really heavy yeah. bands. There's no reason they should have been on the radio, but there's just something about that period in time that just like this was marketable, and the people liked it. Like I don't know how how Limp Bizkit's albums review reviews were they probably weren't critical darlings by any stretch but <laughs> no nah, they weren't really critical but rage darlings, was but they sold rage they was sold. Uh, rage was Metallica at a point in the career so, worked the that Chili was, Peppers that was worked. right before St. Anger when everything went to hell <laughs> yeah yeah well they, they, like well, the things went to hell with Load and Reload that's true um, but the, the, with the hardcore okay this is funny uh, one of I remember watching this documentary much did about um, Metallica back in the day. And um, they showed like footage from when the team went out on the first day that Load was released to get people's reactions. And this guy walks up and he's got a baseball cap on and he's got metal hair right down to the small of his back. Real skinny guy wearing a tucked in Metallica shirt. He looks at the camera and goes, rock on Cliff, rock on Cliff. And the guy hosts the show's like, Cliff's dead, man. What are you talking about? And he goes, Cliff would never allow this to happen. <laughs> Storms on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I always I like Load and Reload. Maybe I'm, a, I'm not a hardcore Metallica fan. All right. So well, that's actually it's funny. Asking, it's funny you mentioned Load and Reload because uh, Until It Sleeps is a song and video that always has a weird nostalgic place in my heart because um, I remember I was up early because my family was getting ready to go to Wonderland and... We had a yearly trip to Wonderland. We would go with our family friends from London. We'd all go there. We'd meet there in Toronto and like we'd each get hotels and spend, make a weekend out of it. And I was up at like 6 a.m. just watching much music and watching the video for Until It Sleeps. And I just love yeah. like James Hatfield's getting all grimy and dirty. I don't know. That video always stuck in my head is when I was a youngster. Was it like, not until it sleeps? What's the one they had the old lady doing the backup vocals? She's like, nah, 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 nah. No. Was that until it sleeps? I don't think so. Was oh, it, it the memory? No. I'll have to look. That's a cool song. That video always looks like, ooh. You know they did a Woodstock 50. They tried. And the reason it, why I brought up, though, but did you know who was supposed to play? Uh, no. <sighs> so the Friday night headliner would have been the Killers. And underneath the killers would have been Miley Cyrus, Santana, the Lumineers, the Raconteurs, Robert Plant's latest side project, John Fogarty, Run the Jewels, and Nathaniel Rateliff in the Night Sweats, who I quite enjoy. That's not bad. No. Saturday, you would have had Dead and Company, who I don't know, Chance the Rapper, the Black Keys, Sturgill Simpson, Greta Van Fleet, Portugal, the man, Leon Bridges, Gary Clark Jr. Uh, see, Derek, David Crosby would have played that one. I like Leon Bridges. would have played that one. 
And then the main event, you would have had Jay-Z headlining. Imagine Dragons. Boom. Halsey, Cage the Elephant, Brandy Carlisle, Janelle Monet, uh, Earl Sweatshirt. The Zombies and Canned Heat were supposed to do it. Eh, if that, would, that would have been the show. I would have left it after would have been Saturday very, um, <laughs> Well, I would, have, I, I would have wanted to see Jay-Z. I like Jay-Z. But it would have been a very... I don't know. And maybe I'm just jaded. It would have been a very pitchfork media. Yeah, absolutely. Show. Um, Brian, you're taking a snapshot of rock and roll in 2010. Is it depressing that that having me thinking in my head, oh, this is going to be terrible. That was a lot. That wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. But it's still not to the heights that Woodstock 99 was. No. But you got to remember too. Yeah. You got to remember too that uh, the musical landscape right around that time was changing so drastically with the internet and torrenting mm-hmm. and the physical media just going the way of the dodo. And so, like rock, I mean, radio's always going to have a spot. There's, I don't think you know. Some people say radio will eventually die. It won't die. It just it. No, I'll never die. Um, it just. Like at that era, there was you know this cross section. Radio was still very much important. Um, it was huge. MTV, much music, were so important, and the internet was starting to take off. Where like fandom and message boards, and all these things. So there was all these ways where people can get uh, so much more access. And now, uh, who really watches TV? Everyone's like, do you remember when we were younger in our early 20s, like right around the time of college or just after college when um, our buddy Brian, um, his friends would always say, like, I only watch things on yes. torrents or like I download or I just TV stream it. on the TV anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah we were yeah, like, what yeah, the yeah. fuck is this doorknob? And then now <laughs> it's like us. We don't do that. I, I either stream or like. Well, I, or, I got TV on right now. <laughs> I got TV on right now in the other room. I got the Jays game on. You actually still have cable? Yeah. Oh wow. I'll watch I watch the Jays. I'll watch Sunday football on cable. It's just sports mainly, but yeah. Yeah. I use I use the, the on demand service too. Yeah. That they have on there. It's like you know I want to watch a newer episode of Bob's Burgers. Eh? It's a show I like that's still on, and I don't want to wait for it to come on to Crave or wherever. I'll. Uh, okay. Well. I'll watch it on there. Yeah. Well, either way. I like the cooking shows too. <laughs> you can't get diners, drive-ins, and dives on uh, Netflix. You were way too obsessed with that show. It's legit, man. <laughs> put that on a train. Put that on a flip flop. It'd still be pretty good to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like the '99 was just this top of the mountain where it's just everything just fell in line for some of these bands that would never happen again. And so, so think carefully about this. So okay. you get all these bands that are now popular, but just not—they're popular in their circles yeah yeah that's a good point um and honestly looking at that lineup again i feel like they a lot of it they did have right you know what i mean like okay if i'm gonna do a rock fest yeah the killers is a good bet you're gonna want jack uh, is jack white still in the rack on tours yeah they put out an album like two or three years ago okay so you're gonna want i was so mad i couldn't see them live you're going to want Jack White there in some capacity. You know what I mean? You're going to want um, the the Black Keys and Greta Van Fleet there because um, they really sum up rock and roll that's on the radio now. Um, you know, I, I am not the biggest hater of Imagine Dragons. 
Um, they just kind of do nothing for me. They're just kind of there. The only band but I can think of that... probably want them on the show. Yeah. The only band I can think so, of that was left off that list that probably would have been good for a snapshot during that time was uh, Mumford & Sons, probably. Yeah. They had the Lumineers, which is close. Yeah. That's tr- uh, yeah, eh, same deal. They all stink. <laughs> no, you know who I, I, I also put on? Uh, the Girls from Heim. I like them. Yeah. I get them on there. And uh, our boy Brian Fallon. Yeah, he'd Maybe be that's great. a bit of bias, but he should be on there too. But then again, you know, like I said, a Woodstock lineup is never going to be my list of favorite bands put on display. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't think a lineup will ever capture a period of time like that like that festival I think that that is um, a hill that's too far to climb now oh yeah and yeah it's also like uh, like even when you compare you know at the end of the documentary they they did a comparison because later that year the first Coachella came yeah. out but when you th- when you factor it's really not a fair comparison no no it's not because look how many I think there was like maybe 20 bands on that to on the Coachella all weekend that's like nothing compared to what yeah. Woodstock did. Well, it started off as a music and arts show. Yeah. So there's not music going on 24-7 at the beginning of this thing. It was for artists. It was it was kind of, you know, maybe Woodstock meets Burning Man a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where Burning Man is just all about the art and the experience. I think that that's what they're trying to do at the time. And now it's just <sighs> the three richest kings of Europe. <laughs> Fly their boys out there with their Lamborghinis to go meet up with the Kardashians and take a bunch of selfies. That's yeah. what Coachella is now. Um, I don't know. Maybe I got a bit of a jaded view on things. And you know what? As big a disaster as that was, and as much contempt as I do hold for the organizers, because that one guy was a real douche for some of the things he said about the women there at the show. Refresh uh, my memory. Documentary. Oh, he was like, oh, they shouldn't have been around walking around naked. They would have gotten raped. Well, I think that was more what the, the douche. I think that was more getting groped, but either way, it's it still, still stands. Still, but. it's victim blaming, and I do this. That's icky. Uh, the the only I'm not going to that. Despite that, I think the man's a human turd. I'm not. I'm not going to defend the guy, but say, I will say the like the every. It seems like every day, the media was just coming after them, and just like, look, we tried to put on this fun thing, and it just like it all went sideways. Like, just back off. Like, no one was trying to like. Well, what, everyone was kind what of. I was about to say giving them the shank. What I was about to say was, at least they actually had a show on. Yeah. Like fire festival. <laughs> yeah. You know? didn't even get a single band on the stage so at least they had a show yeah do you know what uh, was funny though it, it's funny in almost a bad way was just how much of a friggin' queef moby was the whole documentary you're <laughs> such a ween he's such do you a not wet get blanket what he was but do you not get what he was saying oh yeah because you you know when you pull up to a crowd sometimes you can tell this is gonna be my place so this really ain't for me yeah and if it's really not for you, you get the feelings right away. You can tell. And the last thing you want to do is stick around. And he must have been getting that feeling. Because I'll tell you, rarely do I get that feeling wrong. Yeah. And when I do get that feeling, I want to get the fuck out. No, I get it. Absolutely. It's just the, um, yeah. it's just, he sounds so like bitter about it when it's like, you know, sometimes when you think about it, considering that was a rock festival on the whole, like I know they tried to be all encompassing, like generally yeah. like a, 
normally a festival like that wouldn't wouldn't necessarily include a Moby or a Fat Boy Slim because they're not typical rock. Like I know they have rock elements, but uh, that yeah, that... and they did just play the rave tent. Yeah, that was where they did their sets was out of the rave tent, which went all hours of the night. Yeah, that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah. but you're also looking at ugh, you're also looking at a problem with people who've been drinking all day and now they're dropping acid in a rave tent. Well, that's yeah, that's the other thing too. When you think about trying to book what they were trying to accomplish because like when you go back to the regular Woodstock right the classic Woodstock it's you know yeah. a lot of folksy rock bands and then like that was it the, the like mm-hmm. the genres didn't blend whereas like this guy's these guys are trying to like all right we got new metal we got rap we got folk we got like, all these things like how would- you know what though I'm gonna I'm gonna po- poke a hole here because what they said in that thing was a lot of Woodstock gets overlooked because people were well you know they remember Jimi Hendrix playing yeah or they remember Santana playing uh did they ever talk about Shanana <laughs> they played that was I'm serious uh Sly and the Family Stone their musical legends are just like everybody else but they played a totally different style of music totally different style but I think it's still it was still very upbeat and fit in the same vein as that other stuff whereas like to go from like Moby to Limp Bizkit to Sheryl Crow or not Sheryl no she was there she uh, was there yeah, yeah. to Sheryl Crow to Brian Setzer to Santana to Wyclef Jean and the Fugees or no, no it's just Wyclef Jean um you know what I mean? It's just and like the refugee camp all stars. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's just like yeah. it's um, the ultimate balancing board and trying to like not fall off. Whereas like I feel like the Woodstock '69, even though it was diverse music, they were still kind of more in lockstep. Whereas this was just everyone was out of yeah. sync. Yeah, but that's, that's just, I just me. Think that'll be hard to. I I think that's just going to be hard to do now. Well, a, I think unless you're our age. This is the only age group where you're going to hear people who only listen to one style of music. Yeah. And I still know them. And you know what? And it's either they only listen to rap or they only listen to metal. Yeah. You're not going to find anybody else who only listens to... I only listen to punk. I'm sorry. I can't help you. But no. <laughs> Usually people our age are into rap or they're into metal. There are people who listen to rap and metal who only listen to those genres. Yeah. Uh, plenty of people listen to both and plus other genres. I'm not just saying that. But usually that those are the only two genres I hear. I guess I've met some people who only listen to techno and stuff like that. I don't know how people can only listen to techno. I, I, I don't know. Look, they, they, here's the time and a place for techno. I'm not trying to talk shit about it. No. Okay? And, but like, you know, I, if, if time and a place for music. If I'm at a wedding, crowd's hopping, and I play the cha-cha slide, <laughs> oh, everyone's going to get up and do it, and I'm feeling great. Now, if I'm on the gym at work, oh, sorry, not the gym at work. That didn't make any sense. If I'm on the treadmill at the gym, there we go. I'm working out at the gym. That's what I meant to say. I'm not going to put the cha-cha slide on my headphones. Yeah, so I could I throw on some Fat Boy Slim or something. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. That's just me. But yeah, I think uh, I think that was one of the problems. I think they were trying to be almost too inclusive with the music. I think it's like... I think if they had either just said, you know, no rave tent no dance music sorry that we're not going to incorporate that and just shut it down at night not have any crap going into the night people might have actually gotten decent night's sleep and might not have had the same hijinks the next day that's a lot to ask though well it's a lot to ask because people people are um what's it called they're camping out there overnight yeah or it's it's not a family-friendly weekend. This is a 
frat party weekend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, or, people are there to party. I don't think anyone had sleep as their number one priority when they were there. No, but... And I think that people have gotten really bored and maybe would have been become more destructive had it not yeah, been perhaps. for things to keep them occupied after this music was done, like the rave tent. Or the other thing, too, is they actually could have had a... Like, I know they had a lot of the folkier bands or singers go up early. They almost could have had someone mm. do double duty and have, like, a late-night kind of campfire session where everyone can just, like, chill now out. that'd be cool. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, a little, little coffee house vibe, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like if Jack Johnson yeah, was around to the back then. somewhere. <laughs> or that, oh, boy. That fedora the only douche. guy not screaming during the riots. <laughs> oh, they set my guitar on fire. <laughs> Fingers hurt when I try to play. Doopa 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 doo. Oh, he wouldn't have been mad at all. <laughs> Everyone else would have been mad around him. He just would have been chill, man. There's a guy getting stabbed, and the bathroom is on fire, and I should really go, but I can't get out. Oh, no. Oh, I wish I brought my banana pancakes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Good old Jack Johnson. What was I going to say? So so what what I've been trying to get you to do. Oh, sorry. Keep getting off topic. Hence, hence, hence the name of our show. Uh... Brian, you are given the task right now to put together an event the size of Woodstock 99 that would appeal to a large fan base. And I just kind of want you to give me maybe about six headlining acts for this three-day show you're putting on. What would it be? Okay. Um, no playing cop. And he, okay, let me get a rule out there. You can't pick anyone who played Woodstock '99. Okay. All right. Um. Let's see. I'm trying to think of someone who's that big right now that could play to a crowd that big. Actually, do you know who would be good if uh, if um. Because all of the Woodstocks do this. They kind of tap into the nostalgic, or not nostalgia, but yeah. the old school trying to bring older fans. You could bring back like a kiss, and they would freaking crush something that big. That's a good pick. Um, yeah, that, that would be a good pick. I think people definitely pay to see kiss. Are you kidding me? They pay all the time to see kiss. Oh, yeah, kiss would be a great idea. Uh, let's see. So kiss is the Friday night headliner. Yeah. At Brian Fest. Yes. Okay. A kiss on Friday. What else you got? I wish I had witty banter to fill the long bits of silence. If right if now. they were if there was if uh, ODB was still alive, I'd bring back the Wu Tang Clan. You <laughs> could still have Wu Tang perform. You just can't. Have, you just won't be any ODB. I know. You have everybody else. Get Redman to replace them. That's true. And then Red Meth can do a side set. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, I think Wu Tang Clan could, would, uh, especially because there's. Okay, so Wu Tang Wu Tang Clan is, is Saturday night. Yeah. All right. So Kiss Friday, Wu Tang Saturday. What you got Sunday? Who who closes out this weekend? I'm so out of touch of modern music right now. It's ridiculous. I, you know, I think you made two good picks here. Do you know who I think would actually be 
it'd be a terrible pick, but it'd also be a good pick at the same time. Because okay. I've heard they're actually pretty good live, and they have, okay. they have a lot of fans that can play to a large audience. But at the same time, they would also have a lot of haters that might cause a riot. It's Nickelback. <laughs> uh, you know... <laughs> I'm not I, saying this is my pick. I'm just saying that would be a potential for something like that. I, I actually believe Nickelback and Kiss have played some shows together before. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think the Wu-Tang crowd would be too, too happy with Nickelback. <laughs> I think they could put up with Kiss because, you know, Kiss are legends and they wear the makeup. They're kind of cool to do their own thing. Yeah. But hey, you're, you're cruising for a bruise. Yeah, that wasn't actually. But you know what? You're putting them on. You know what, though? Putting them on Sunday is kind of a good thing because you would get the big gate because they have a lot of fans. Yeah. Um, and for everyone who's burnt out, they can leave. Yeah. Just go home early. That's actually pretty good. That is actually kind of genius right there. So, yeah, Nickelback can play. They can be the last band on. And that way all the haters can just go home early if they're tired. Yeah. And then... And the true Nickelback fans can stick it out and see their favorite band. And then you get people who uh, who are closet Nickelback fans who just be like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll see you guys in the car. And they'll just, like, hang out. Uh, you know, I paid for this. I might as well stick around, yeah. right? And then they come out of the gate uh. with a Nickelback t-shirt. How come you know all the words to how you remind me? Oh, because you only played it on the radio ten times a day. Duh. How come you're crying? <laughs> Shut up. I got the guy's drumstick. <laughs> what about you? Who would you put on? Teddy Fest. Oh, God. Yeah, Teddy Fest. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I, would, I think I would have to go uh, with the Foo Fighters on the Friday night. Yeah, I was thinking uh, about them. They still but... encapsulate that big big sound of the time um yeah i would go foo fighters i would go i'm gonna i'm gonna go with the new school here okay because i'm gonna do the thing where you need a hip-hop headliner these days you can't i'd go kendrick lamar it's because people freaking love that guy um yeah, he'd be Saturday night. And Sunday, um, I would go with... I would go on Sunday with Bruce Springsteen. Not bad. How, how, how dare I, Lee? How dare you leave out Bruce? <laughs> of course I'd have Bruce there Sunday. Yeah, Kendrick Lamar would be in the middle, and then that could get all like the, your Coachella people that come for him. And uh, yeah, then Bruce would stick around right at the end. I think he got a good little show there. Yeah, plus all three of those bands are not the clientele that would go to all those bands that would not be one to riot. Yeah, and I think you'd also find parallels with people that want to see all three bands. Well, that's the thing. Bruce is always trying to do things with younger artists and do these little uh, pop-ups on concerts, especially because even though the guy sells out his own arenas left, right, and center, he's not above a festival. And so he'll no. he'll play these like in writing fact, and leads and things like that. And I remember uh, seeing a clip of him at uh, I think it must have been Glastonbury. And he's on stage and are you talking about he's, the like, 50, kind of covered in mud when he does Fifty Nine sound? No, he's doing it. He actually does Coma Girl by uh, Joe Strummer of the Mascaleros, oh. which I thought was pretty awesome because I love that song. And uh, he's like, well, the first thing he told me was to wear boots I never want to wear again. 
There you go. He's wearing these like weird looking cowboy boots are like covered in like weird like fur and he's like You've seen that performance at the I think it's at the Grammys where it was Dave Grohl, Tom, Bruce, uh Elvis Costello. Right? Yeah, Elvis Costello. Where they do London calling? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was Elvis Costello. I don't think Tom Morello was there. I think it was Elvis Costello, Bruce, Dave Grohl. I think it was just the three of them. No, there's definitely like another singer or two. Let me just quickly Google it. Uh, Good lord, it's eight four. We're up eight nothing when I started recording the podcast. Really? Yeah. I was thinking about love and the answer just. I love doing the riddadadoos. Makes every song uh, better. Have you found it yet? Yeah. No, you was that right? Yeah, it was Elvis Costello, Dave Grohl, Bruce, Stevie Van Zandt, who's just like attached to Bruce's hip. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't really count. <laughs> and uh, Pete Thomas, who I guess is in Elvis Costello's band. I guess oh, okay. I think it might have been his drummer or something. And uh, Tony Kana from No Doubt. Oh, Tony Kana was on that one. Yeah, I think he was just playing the bass. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think he sang on it. No, still. There you go. But either way, All hell right. of a performance. So I think that that does our uh, well, hold, episode. Hold on. I just, like, aside from saying it was a good documentary, like, like, what are your thoughts? I think that some of the stuff that happened, um, I don't know. Like, I, part of me kind of felt with the behavior of some of the people that were there, and uh, it, it made me feel like, Jesus, I was a real piece of shit when I was 14. And then I sat and thought about it, and I was like, wait, I was 14. Yeah. <laughs> a better human being now you know what I mean but um, I think some of the things I think they, they were kind of looking for controversy where there really wasn't any like when they were talking about the number of female artists like yeah those are the three of the top female artists in the world Yeah, I'm sure they tried to book more Like, but like, I, I didn't really see sexism as being an issue on that show um, I, thought, I think sexism was an issue, issue with the crowd yeah but not amongst representation with the performers. Um, it's also, you know, Rolling Stones come under the same issues sometimes with being male-driven, you know what I mean, with their uh, lists and stuff like that. Um, but I think that, yeah, there was a little bit of, of looking for a controversy where there wasn't. Um, but apart from that, I, I really got nostalgic watching all the old footage. I was happy that they used quite a bit of much music footage. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah, it, just, it brought back a lot of good memories and you're right. I felt both. Like, wish I was there, but at the same time, glad I wasn't there. Yeah, my own. I would have lost. I would have lost whatever group I went with. Yeah. I would have been that sucker who was at the freaking lost and found, human lost and found for for twelve hours. Yeah. That that would have been me. I would have been that guy. A little Teddy with his juice box, just crying away. Like, where's my friends? Yeah. <laughs> well, I would lose you guys at every Warped tour. I used to guys at most just little concerts. I think it's you guys. It's always you. It's guys. <laughs> <laughs> My only problem with the documentary is it, it was very repetitive. Um, and like, they, okay. like, cause they were just like, yes, it was so hot. And it was this and this and this. And then like, they kept just beating the drum of like, I get angry white men. And it's like, 
I mean, I don't think it's so much as that they're angry. It's just like, you know, they're young, full of piss and vinegar, and they get this aggressive music that matches their spirit. Like, I don't think it's these, I, like... I, I, well, I think, I think a lot of that has to deal with... And then now we're getting really introspective, too. Because nowadays, we're so aware... Like, that's what I'm saying. They were rebelling against nothing, because there's nothing to really rebel against at the time, yeah. right? Um, I think now that we really know stuff about mental health and stuff like that, you know, like people have like undiagnosed depression back then or um, undiagnosed ADHD and they didn't know what to do with their energy, uh, things like that. I think that that that's why I don't think you see that so much anymore. There's a lot more to rebel against now, but also I think people are more not self-aware, but they're becoming aware of what's going on with their brains and why they're feeling the way they feel when back then they get really, really angry when they hear Limp Bizkit and they don't know why. But Am I making sense? Yes and no. I mean, the thing is, sometimes as people in this documentary were saying, like, what they mistook for anger was almost just, like, excitement. It's just, like, to the point where it's like, you know, you wait your whole life to see this band. You just get so worked up to the point. And you get a guy like Fred Durst who is, you know, for all of his faults, uh, say what you will, he comes off as a bit of a dink kind of full of himself back then because he was like one of the biggest bands on the planet but you know it's a lead singer's job to friggin hype the crowd like how like people would have been talking imagine if fred durst comes out and like pulls out a chair and just sits on a like, chair like big jay Oakerson the whole time just like oh, let's break stuff all right you got it all right <laughs> like like what's like pe- people like that was the worst fucking performance i've ever seen and that would have killed limp biscuits career <laughs> even worse than it did afterwards but like so it um you know he's a hype but man i think they did i think they did a, i think they did a pretty good job though of calling it with the artist down the middle you know like the organizers were blaming the artists um no. other people like yeah what what Fred? No, Fred MTV blamed the artists. Were the like, really two? Yeah, it was it was or- Durst and Kiedis were the two that really got it. The organizer was like, yeah. "I'm not going to blame Fred Durst for doing what Fred Durst does." I mean, yeah, I told him to bring it down a bit, and he kind of told me to to go piss off. You're but, right. I got it mixed up. Yeah, yeah. I got it mixed up. Yeah, but um, so they were kind of telling both sides of the fence there. Like, yeah, they're there to put on a show, but it's also a safe show. Like, you and me have seen Green Day before where they've stopped because people were fighting in the crowd. Yeah. And they got them to stop and settle down. You want the crowd to be hype. You don't want the crowd to be dead. But, yeah, this is the other thing, too, is like some of these festivals where they go multiple days. Um. Mm versus the the one day like we've only ever gone to the warp tour where like you're in and out in one day or like or, yeah. or the concert where you're there for the night um like we've yeah. i've never gone to like bonnaroo over the weekend or i've never gone to reading yeah. or leeds for a whole weekend or oceaga um or Lollapalooza. but some of these ones you don't even need to camp like i think didn't your sister when she went to Lollapalooza, didn't they get a hotel room and just kind of commute in every time there was no like camping or anything. Yeah, because you don't have to camp on you don't have to camp on site. Yeah. I don't know if they got a hotel if they camped out. But she went uh, to a couple of Lollapaloozas. And they go the whole weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I, um, I, I could totally I, leave the campsite and if I went to like uh, shaky shaky knees in Atlanta, I'd go to that because they usually have good bands. Uh, but I'd want to go for a, did, to a hotel. I did technically camp out at a concert festival. 
when I worked for 820 Cham and I was their country bear. Right. They have a lot country jamboree. Uh, I stayed in the trailer the whole weekend. Uh, so the trailer was nice and comfy. I had no issues with that. Um, they even let us drink and stuff like that, too, when we were off duty. But uh, what's it called? Uh, they did a pretty good job of filling up the day there. Yeah. And... Um, uh, but then, of course, that's a country crowd. It's also it was also very like family. There's a lot a lot of families there, right? So it's not nearly as close to the thing. But staying on site and camping is kind of part of the fun, right? You know what I mean? Because you meet people, you talk to people, you got music going all night. So there's a, a focal point. And you're just not sitting around a camp the whole time. Um, it's it's a, it's a fun time. Even though what I went to was a very very G rated <laughs> yeah. um, weekend festival, and I was you know um, I still had fun even though it wasn't really my scene and there's non-stop music going on the stage like they they only had one stage so there were some breaks like they break between artists and stuff like that to reset up and everything like that right but that kind of worked because um you had time to go get a shirt or you had time to go get a beer or go back to you know catch some z's in your tent or whatever right you know what i mean yeah so having the one stage and having a little downtime in between worked as well as it could right yeah but, eh, you know, I, it wasn't my scene. Country's not really my go-to. But uh, when things op- fun. When things, made the best of it. When the border opens back up and things, life resumes, oh. if the government ever allows it. Because uh, I know the states can come in here pretty soon, but we can't go over there. But um, mm-hmm. what is a festival? Like, I know we're getting up there and you're going to be a dad soon. But, uh, like, what is a festival that would be on your list? Still, I, I'm assuming the bands uh, are good. Uh, yeah, I, I want to go to that uh, uh, Back to the Beach concert out in California. Oh, yeah. They put on every year with all the ska bands. Yeah. Yeah, I want to do that. Now, they did have a, a, a second one, and it wasn't as good, the lineup. But I got to think, you know, the, 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 some lineups would be so, so, some lineups would be awesome. And that's every year around my birthday, so I'd really, really want to hit that up. Um, Riot Fest always seems to have pretty good lineups. Yeah. Uh, the Chicago one always seems to be better than the Toronto one, for whatever reason. And they always seem to more. Toronto more seems to be better like, than Denver. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that seems like something I'd want to go to. Um, what else? Uh, those those would be mainly it. Like I, I would like to go to Bonnaroo for the experience of the whole thing. I wouldn't really care who played. Right. Uh, I, I work with a guy. I work with a guy who goes to Bonnaroo every single year. Our old college uh, roommates, I think they went a few times. Dan and Dev and Cody. They went a couple and... of times too. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, I would, I want to go to that just to say I went to it. Yeah. Um, Coachella, I've got no interest in. It'd have to be um, a really good lineup. I mean, I've always wanted to go to California. So if I was in California around the time of Coachella, if it was a good lineup, even if I just went for a day, I'd consider it. But yeah. I, have a, I have a feeling I'd probably get kicked out pretty quick because I'd start a fight with some hipsters. <laughs> yeah, we, we went this whole podcast <laughs> talking about how you're not the fight guy. You're not full of rage. You're not, you're not knocking shit over. And yet you're talking about picking fights with random people just because they've got long glasses. Long black <laughs> glasses. They're wearing a striped shirt and have their hair combed a certain way. Hey, you yeah. guys used to call me a hipster all the um, time. Because you're much more hipster. You, you've even admitted on this podcast that you're much more of a hipster than me. Yeah, but you're like, you know, mainstream friggin' Murthus over here. You're like, you're the opposite of a How hipster. How am I mainstream Murthus? 
You never know what I was listening to. Sure, look look what I was listening to today. Today I had on uh, all the shit I listen to on Spotify is old. That's why. Uh, yeah, today I was listening to the ba- uh, the Black Power mixtape, 1967 to 75, and it was awesome. All old R&B. Um... What else do I listen to in here? Okay, let's take a look at my daily hits mix one. <laughs> Leonard Skinnerd. Oh, look at this. Two Princes. The Spin Doctors featuring Elmo, Zoe, and Telly Monster. That was from Sesame Street. Edge <laughs> of 17 by Stevie Nicks. Bare Ladies, The Old Apartment. Space Oddity, David Bowie. Walking in Memphis, Mark Cohn. There you go. What do you call that mainstream? What kind of is? Mix two. Wasted by Blue Rodeo, The End by Philosopher Kings, Tall Trees by Matt May, um, Numb by Harley McNarland, My Baby Loves a Bunch of Authors by Moxie Fruvis. Mix number four. You get the idea. Yes. A lot of, yeah, that's where they put all of my uh, Canada FM stuff. <sighs> well, oh, and also this just announced, Brian, Tom Morello, Bruce Springsteen, and Eddie Vedder have just put out a cover of Highway to Hell. I was going to ask you, because I was listening to a song that came on the radio today, and I was, this is just, I'll close it out with this, it's nothing related to Woodstock 99, but, oh, for Woodstock 94, but what is a song or a band that, no matter how many times you've heard them, it doesn't have to be even one of your favorite bands, but you hear it on the radio and you'll always turn it up, like, you never, it's like, oh, I've heard this song a million times, and you change it, because I got two um, well, like recently, um, the station I work for started playing, um, the interrupters and every time she's kerosene came on and they used to play it every day. I'd pump it up. Yeah. I'd be really excited about it. That's the most recent that I could think of. Just hearing ska on the radio. Um, whenever I hear, actually, here's a great story. So whenever I hear some of the bands, like the ska bands, I love so much in a place I don't expect them. I go crazy. Yeah. So me and Bryn were watching the movie Lady Bird, which, uh, you know, that's the one that Greta Gerwig directed. It's about a girl coming up in uh, uh, Northern California. And it, it seemed like the last place I'd expect to hear ska. And then out of nowhere, there's a party scene and they're making like a pizza or something. And Snoop Dogg Baby by Real Big Fish comes on. Yeah. And I went, oh, yeah, like that. <laughs> She's like, you listen to it all the time on Spotify anyway. Like, why, why do you care so much? I'm like, because it's out in the wild. <laughs> you don't hear it like fish out in the wild. So I, I lost it. So whenever I hear one of those bands that I feel is like my bands that I grew up listening to, when whenever it was a band that I had to say to someone at school, uh, you wouldn't know who this is. It's so-and-so. Yeah, we always sound like dinks whenever we have it. to preface it like oh, that. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, people will usually. Oh yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say like I, when I was driving home and I got some groceries. Uh, when I come around by Green Day came came on. Oh yeah. yeah and yeah. like no matter I've heard that song a million times, I always turn it up. But another one is uh, whenever ACDC comes on, especially like Thunderstruck or Money Talks. Oh, yeah? I I, just, I always yeah. love it. It's just, I've heard those songs a million times, but I'll always turn it up. Yeah yeah yeah. That's great. There you go. Good party songs. Exactly. All right. Well, this includes our off-topic episode of Canada FM. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a lot of ranting and rambling, but... Uh, That's what these are all about. What are you, new? <laughs> That's what we do. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, we'll see you Friday or Saturday night or whenever it comes out for the Amanda Marshall episode that's coming up. And yes, as you heard us talk, Serial Joe is to follow. What happens after that is anyone's guess. Um, <laughs> follow us on uh, Spotify. Give us a five-star review on Apple Music. Uh, give Brian a bunch of likes on the Instagram. He's doing a hell of a job with it. And uh, I think that's it. And, uh, I mean, yeah, if you want to, if you message us on any of the socials or uh, canfmpod at gmail.com with uh, either an off-topic idea or another band we should do, uh, feel free to drop us a line. We'll try to do it. Uh, I just, this, it. this is more of just a test if anyone's actually listening and follows direction. <laughs> it's more to get these talking points in our head after we both watch this documentary out of our mouths and into some sort of, I don't know, storage unit, which yeah. would be uh, the podcast. So that's really what this is. This is the diary of a couple of madmen. <laughs> All right. Catch you guys later. Uh, I'll see you. See you, Sandy. <laughs>